When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Monday afternoon on the show today. Unfortunately, we'll get into some more Texas basketball. Not looking forward to talking about it, but we'll get into that here on the show today. We'll get into the Texas women's basketball that is fun to talk about right now. We'll get into that as well. Texas baseball has a good, good weekend. No runs for Cal Poly. We'll talk about that as well. Some news out of the NFL, the NBA, and a whole lot more, including your text messages. 512-447-3776 is the text line number for you guys to join the conversation here on the Sports Complex. You know, I drive the show. You guys drive the show. I know the slogan. I wrote it myself. You guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. That means whatever you guys want to talk about, we want to talk about here on the Sports Complex. So uh, keep sending that in. If, If you want to talk Texas basketball or Texas football or NFL football or Whatever you guys want to talk about, if you've got something that happened over the weekend you want to talk about, send that in. We'll try to get to everybody here. We'll also get to Patrick's big fat poll of the day. Uh, So that'll be a fun thing to get into to ask you about that. But uh, we love having the conversations with you here on the Sports Complex. Uh, I hope everybody did have a good weekend. Uh, You know, maybe not the best sports weekend for some people, but it was a good weekend to get out. The weather was beautiful over the weekend, so a fun time to get out. I somehow injured my knee. No idea how I did it. It was just at some point on Saturday, I was like, why does my knee hurt now? Which is, I think, just at the age I'm getting to is, oh, okay, now things are just randomly, where I have no no memory of what it was. Maybe I was driving and somehow hurt it. I don't think that was a thing that was possible, but somehow I managed to pull that off this weekend. Other than that, I had a really good weekend. Got some plans coming up for a big show and a fun time in May that I can't wait to to put out there. That's going to be a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun going on uh, in the future, getting ready for getting close to South by Southwest, seeing all that pop up. There's a couple shows that I'm like, I have to go down and deal with, which is terrifying. Who wants to go downtown and deal with any of that stuff anymore? Uh, but I will, I will. I'm a, I'm a team player, guys. I'm a team player. Uh, but I hope everybody had a good weekend. If you had anything Uh, Extra fun, let me know on the text sign. Uh, What was not necessarily the most fun was Texas basketball. We'll get it out like a Band-Aid, pull it off. We'll talk about it for the rest of the show, I'm sure. Uh, But uh, Texas plays Kansas. uh, Very hard place to play uh, at Kansas in the fog. Uh, They lose 67-86 to for Kansas. Uh, That is is kind of the underlying. They lose a game. That's the... That's the easy way to look at this is that they lost the game. I think there's some different parts we have to look at it within the game uh, to see what they did, where they can go, and then what came out of it. Uh, first and foremost, the first half was just abysmal. 
They get knocked down the first half, 45-25. to 25. It was a game where it came out and it started where it looked a little okay. They were going back and forth. The, the action on the court did not change that much. Uh, you know, it, it, there was no stoppage of play. The rest were letting them go early in that game. And uh, Texas was able to hang in well enough in that range. But you started to see Kansas start to get some players going. You started to see Hunter Dickinson start to have a good game. They didn't play McCullers, which you know he's been kind of coming in and out of hurt, which that was not a great sign for me early on that Kansas felt they had it so in the bag they didn't even have to play one of their players. I know he's injured, but they felt like they could take the day off with him. That was not a great sign early on, and they got it going. Everyone who started in the game for Kansas gets into double digits. Hunter Dickinson puts up 20 uh, against Texas. Johnny Furphy plays a good game, gets to the free throw line plenty of times, gets a ball out, uh, and gets in this game. Texas does end up outscoring him in the second half, 42-41, uh, but that's there was a little bit of garbage time in there and some time where uh, they were working really, really hard, but their defense improved a little bit at the end of the game, I could say. Uh, but this was yet another game where Texas did nothing to change their own outcome. Texas did nothing to try and improve on the situation they had. They went into another game trying to shoot themselves out of a slump that they've been in for now two and a half weeks and just pretending that if they keep doing this, eventually they'll get out of it. And if they keep doing it, they'll be okay at the end of the day. And it just feels like that you cannot keep beating your head into the same wall. And again, I look, I'm not an RT hater. I, I'm somebody that thinks RT – uh, is doing a decent job as a coach, but this is the type of things that you say this goes from all the way up to all the way down on the team. That this is, you know, they shot 26% from the field in the first half. They allowed Kansas to shoot 58%. And you can ask for more defensive effort. Uh, as a coach, you have to be asking for more defensive effort. But on both sides of the court, this is once again the word I don't like to use. I especially don't want to use it about a team that I, I root for in every. And you go for, but this team looks soft in that game. Kansas is a team that, you know, if you go up and and you bully them a little bit and you play rough with them, you can get them off their game. Texas did not do that at all on the defensive end. Uh, They didn't push hard. Dylan DeSue did get into foul trouble, but it wasn't necessarily playing super hard. He tried his best. He was a little undersized against Hunter Dickinson, and he didn't get much help on the backside of it. Uh, but nobody on this team defensively played super hard and super tough and really went in there and, uh, you know, we have too many guys that have only one foul on them. And I know you don't want to necessarily put Kansas on the free throw line, but when they're shooting lights out already and they're doing just fine, sometimes you do have to go after them. We can also say that they didn't really care about shooting threes. They didn't feel the need. They just kept going inside, especially when uh, Dylan DeSue was on the bench. They took eight threes in the game. You know, and this is a team that Kansas, if they don't hit threes, they're usually not playing that well. It was not an issue. They went inside, put 52 points up in the paint against Texas. Texas scored 67, 52 against them were in the paint. You cannot allow that kind of beating. Now, Hunter Dickinson being 7-2, the size advantage, we knew they were going to go inside, but you have to make them push them off that line a little bit. And if guys get, if it gets testy and everything else, that's the benefit for you because you're not the better team and they're still playing a style of basketball as if they're the more talented team and the better team. And you can't do that when you go into uh, an opposing team's house when they're playing better. Dylan DeSue only plays 23 minutes, gets up three for six. He does what he can, just not a huge impact in the game with the foul trouble. Uh, wasn't able to get going. But then we go down to the guys on the bench that, or the guys on the team that really need to be performing at a higher level. And Dylan Mitchell did okay offensively, six for 10. He put up 12 points. That's about as much as you're going to ask from, from Dylan Mitchell for the most part. He attacked the paint. Uh, he went after it. He's not going to be a great offensive player for Texas. We know that going in. Uh, he needed to play more physically on defense for sure. He needed to go for more rebounds. Only ends up with four rebounds in that game. I don't like that. Uh, Kendall Weaver ends up with more rebounds than him. was not something I was thrilled to see. Kendall Weaver only plays 19 minutes. Uh, puts up probably too many shots in the game, but that was because they were shadowing other guys and trying to ball deny other guys. You have to be able to find and drive the paint. He did okay there. He gets nine points. Max A. Smith and Tyrese Hunter. Again, poor shooting. And Tyrese actually shoots 50%. So he shoots a little bit better in this game. Uh, 50% you'll take from Tyrese Hunter pretty much every day of the week. Uh, But if he's shooting 50%, he needs to take more than eight shots. Dylan Mitchell and Kendall Weaver can't be shooting more than him if he's shooting uh, 50%. 
But unfortunately, he only has two free throws. And Max A. Smith goes two for eight, one for five, zero free throws. Zero free throws. Zero free throws. And I know I keep pounding this, and I hate that I have to keep pounding this. But you cannot tell me you're putting maximum effort into a basketball game when you cannot score for two and a half weeks. You have not been able to hit a shot, and you want to get your shot going again, and you're refusing to attack the paint and go to the free throw line. Like, and I know he does it every once in a while, and he maybe not doesn't get the call, but he's really good. He's really good at evading contact because he did that for most of his career before he came to Texas. But we've now established that he's having issues attacking the paint. He's having issues getting shots down when the defense is trying to ball tonight and when the defense is playing him extremely tight and the defense puts a little bit of pressure on him. He's having issues. Use that to our advantage. Drive the paint. Get them off balance. Get them to move without using their feet. Use the ability of them to their inability because they are going to be taller than you. Use their, you know, the fact that you have better agility to get them moving in the wrong direction and get a mismatch and get to the free throw line. Zero free throws is unacceptable for Max Asmus. In 35 minutes, he could not draw a foul on a shooting play. That's unacceptable. He was he was fouled. He was fouled zero times. Zero fouls drawn. Zero. It wasn't even that he was getting fouls of a guy cutting. He could not get a foul call. And that's not on the refs. That's on him. Because if he says, well, I only got three and I should have gotten ten, then that's on the refs. If you get zero, zero in 35 minutes of play, that's on you. That's on you saying you're better than going to the paint and getting fouled. If you look at the great scores in the NBA, they're all free throw shooters. You have to get to the free throw line. It's, it's unacceptable at this point in the game, in this point of the season, when for two and a half weeks you haven't been scoring. Unacceptable to not get to the free throw line. And I'll tell you what, I.T. Horton, I know he hasn't had a great season. I know he went for two for seven. I know he didn't play well, but guess what? He got to the free throw line six. He shot six free throws. He got fouled four times. He tried. He made an effort to go in and put his body on the line. Now, he may be looking at it as he has something else to do, but I don't know what Max Aismith is saving his body for at this point. I don't know what NBA scout, what in, a scout of any level of a higher play is looking at what Max Aismith is doing right now and thinking that that is a guy who could play at any higher level. That's, you know, you're, you're going to have to go to play at a lower level in college basketball. And that's a D1 in the Big 12. That's just the reality right now. Now, I think he could play better, but this is something you have to learn to do. You have to learn to be tough, and he just doesn't feel like he's doing that right now. And that you can put on RT not making him do it. You can put it on RT not benching him. You can put it on RT that he's not in practice getting him to do that. Fine. I don't know what they're doing in practice. I don't know how soft they're playing in practice, but it's it's infuriating to watch the guard play for the for the Longhorns when they're not winning games, when they're below 500 in the conference play, continuing to play as if they are the more talented team. Continuing to play that that shot, oh man, just around the corner is going to fall. And I hope it does. I hope it does. But until it does, I want to see you guys driving the paint. I want to see the Longhorns driving, getting pushed down. I want to see them fighting for plays. I want to see them fighting to try and win basketball games. And it didn't look like they were fighting in that game. Now, in the second half, they played harder for sure, but they still weren't getting to the free throw line. And I know it's a simplification, but this is basketball 101. You don't hit shots, you get to the free throw line. If you're a scorer, you find ways to score. And right now, Max Aismith is saying he's not a scorer, he's a shooter. And shooters are not as valuable as scorers. Because scorers can score, no matter what. He had five points in the game, no fouls drawn, no free throws. That, that's mind-boggling to me late this late in the season. I know it's hard when everybody's taller than you. But you have to go in there, and he's fast enough, he's quick enough, he can create separation and take away that separation. That's all it is is you create separation, and then you take away the same separation you just created. That half second where the defender knows what you're doing, and you change it up, and you take that half second pause, so when they're jumping, you're right underneath it. And you don't have to dive into them. You don't have to Trey Young it. You don't have to do that, you know, uh, uh, you know James Harden move into them. You All you have to do is move enough that their hands come out. And now either you're getting a shot where they're in the air and you get a shoot around them, or you can get fouled. The easier play, you can get fouled. That's what you want to see. The turnovers, 13, they, they, they won that 14 to 13. Texas had less turnovers. You know, they didn't get severe. Like, they got out-rebounded, but that's because, you know, offensive rebounds, they got 10. 
You know, they wasn't terrible. There was just a lot more defensive rebounds to be had. So they lost their defensive rebound because they, they, they missed a lot more shots than Kansas did. The rest of the game, defensively, you just didn't step up and play tough enough. And offensively, you didn't want to put your body on the line. And I, when I say you, I don't mean one person. I mean, Kendall Weaver shot two free throws. Dylan Mitchell didn't shoot a free throw. Dylan DeSue didn't shoot a free throw. Max Aismas didn't shoot a free throw. Tyrese Hunter shot two. The only person who constantly went up and got the foul call was IT Horton. And I get they weren't calling a lot. They were letting a lot of things play. You have to push the issue if you're Texas. You have to push it. And then you go then you go talk to RT and you go get it. But you have to go get fouled and you have to get Kansas and you have to get them riled up because you have to, that's how you're going to get shots. You're playing a Texas Tech team on Tuesday that believe me is going to come in pissed off cuz they just lost and they're going to want to play tough with you. And it is and if it doesn't get chippy in Lubbock, I'm not saying you're supposed to fight. I'm not saying you're supposed to do anything like that the the BS foul that uh that happened on Kendall Weaver. Do not do that. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not playing tough. That's 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 hurting people. That's a different thing. Playing tough is body to body contact. Two guys bumping at each other, making a guy feel uncomfortable, making the guy consistently look at the ref. And now if they call it, you have to back off a little bit, but then you on the other side. If they start calling that, you do it to them and you get the call on the other end. It's basketball 101. You just have to keep thinking, we're not the team we thought we were. We need to go find a ways to win, and they didn't want to find a way to win, and it was very hard to watch. Uh, when they weren't trying to find a way to win, it's just frustrating to see. And I know, I know the refs weren't calling a lot, but none – not you, not one. I don't get that. I, I that that one doesn't fly for me. Also, we're in the Big Twelve. Sorry about that. If I get you riled up, I see some people on the text line. Hopefully, you're agreeing. Hopefully, you're yelling. Whatever it is, but we'll get to the text line here in a minute. Uh, in NCAA basketball, uh, Houston does get a win over Baylor at Baylor. Uh, it went to overtime. Jacoby Walter put up a good fight for uh, Baylor in this game. But the turnovers end up hurting Baylor. They have 19 turnovers in the game. Uh, Baylor was down 41 to 25 at half. Uh, Manages to fight back in this game. Houston kind of spread around scoring, is able to get it done, shut it down in the in the overtime. And in an overtime game for Baylor, if they only score 76, it's usually not a good sign. Uh, Houston was able to hold their offense down just enough to be able to get a big win for Houston on the road, continuing push for that uh, number one seed. Uh, that Houston looks to be locking up late in the season in the Big 12. In their first season in the Big 12, they look like the favorite to win the Big 12. They look like the favorite to be the beast going into the tournament. Uh, even though Kansas is playing okay, Houston looks like the team right now in the Big 12. Uh, TCU gets a big win over Cincinnati. Cincinnati trying to fight back, trying to find a spot in that tournament. Uh, this might hurt them, though. They lose to Tennessee, uh, TCU 75-57. to Emmanuel Miller puts up 18 points. But again, TCU is what they've done really well is that fast break and picking up the pace. 25-4 to win the battle on the fast, pay, uh, fast, point, fast break points uh, for TCU. So a good outcome there for TCU, fighting for, that, fighting for a spot uh, where they're in that same position as Texas, kind of trying to finish out the season strong. Texas is not doing it. TCU is. Uh, but Cincinnati... Another big loss. They're trying to figure it out, figure out lineups still this point in the season. Texas Tech loses to UCF. It's a road game. I get that. UCF can play hard. Consistency hasn't been the key. Uh, UCF gets to win 75-61 to over Texas Tech. I don't know if that's great for Texas going into a matchup where Texas Tech is going to be extra mad. Pop Isaacs, though, doesn't play well in that game. 3-for-12, only has 8 points. They can't get the offense going that Texas Tech needs. Uh, 17 points off of turnovers for uh, UCF as well. Texas Tech, when the offense wasn't going well, they start to push out, uh, make Pop Isaacs take harder shots. He's passing the ball off a couple too turn uh, too many turnovers. And the points in the paint for UCF, uh, they have 32 points in the paint, a pretty good number there. Texas, that's not their strong suit, but uh, something that they should work for trying to go inside against Texas Tech. Uh, we also saw, uh, we have, we'll see tonight on a Monday night, Baylor is at TCU, another one of those games we talk about for TCU trying to get in the tournament. Uh, Baylor has lost their last two, looking to bounce back against a team in Baylor or in, in, UC, in TCU that is beatable. But can Baylor take it on the road and score the points they need to after two losses to BYU and Houston? We'll see if they can get back on the road or they take a three game in a row loss. Uh, that is not what you want to see from Baylor either. Uh, as Texas goes in to play them, you like them to be going down, but. Uh, uh, fun game tonight against TCU over in women's basketball where things are going good for the Texas Longhorns. Really good. 
Uh, Texas shoots 62.5% from the field, 54 points in the paint, and they beat up on UCF 87-56 to in that game. Uh, Madison Booker, another great game, 22 points in that game, up to number three in the polls, and that's kind of been the story for Texas women's basketball this season. Rory Harmon goes down with that injury early in the season. She's one of the best players in college basketball, and there's a lot of worry around uh, Texas women's basketball that – they may not be able to reach up to the hypes they had and a lot of hopes for this season. Uh, there was some worry about being able to accomplish everything they want to, and of course those are still around, but they're playing at a really high level right now. And playing just in the paint, 54 points in the paint again, another team that they can go inside and, and beat up on teams inside. Uh, their guard play with Shaley Gonzalez and Shea Holly, or they're playing really good guard play as well. You're seeing a lot of this. Texas women's basketball team in determination and heart to find a way to win after a uh, devastating injury early in the season. And I saw a tweet from uh, from Vic Schaefer, which Vic Schaefer too, if you're number three, number three team in the country and your star player gets hurt early in the season, I think that puts you up for coach of the year, uh, rec- you know, putting it, you're nominated. I think you're nominated if you're Vic Schaefer and you get in that. Uh, but he posted an interesting thing which is kind of where you want to look at all sports, and I just thought it was interesting and a, and a good look uh, for the UT women's basketball team. But he posted a picture of in their ballroom where they're doing the meetings and the walkthroughs and everything uh, that the trainers, you know, tape off a, uh, you know, a one side of a court to kind of show so you can do a walkthrough and everything like that, which is not the most uncommon thing. But when you saw what they had done, where they had taped it off, everything looked great, and it wasn't just kind of a – a bland line. It's two measurement. And when you look down and even there's the hashes on the free throw line uh, in the box, there's the logo for the Big 12 logo. That's down there on tape. The other team's name is down there on tape. And he made the point that he said, hats off, we have a, a great team. But he says, we will talk about elite is a choice. And that's that difference between good, great, and, and elite. He said elite is a choice in our managers, in our staff, is elite. And that's where you want to see all the Texas sports teams have that kind of pride from the very bottom to the very top. And I think in women's basketball, there's points in in not just women's basketball, but some of these sports where you may not get the biggest staff and you may not get the biggest of everything. You really know it's easier as a coach to maintain everything. And when I say easier, I mean you kind of have to. (laughs) It may not be easier in the the long run. But that ability to be able to do that – is something that I think Vic Schaefer has shown in his years that he's gotten better at here at Texas is managing the entire program. And I really enjoyed seeing that of giving the the love to the to the staff, to the managers, to show show off this thing that nobody may even think that a team would ever do and not realize how important it is to have the pride of your young staff and your guys that may not be you know, this may be the end for them. If they're seniors, then they're going to be gone. And some of the staff and support staff won't be around for a long time, but they're, they have pride in everything they're doing. And that pride transfers upward to all the players and to, to Rodney Terry, to every, the swimming and diving, to tennis, to baseball, to football, to see that and, and that message of pride in everything you do from the bottom to the very top was a great message to see today uh, for Vic Schaefer and this Texas women's basketball team. Hats off to them. Uh, they're a lot of fun, and I think they're a team that, you know, as we get into it, baseball season's going strong now. Uh, but I think, you know, with basketball season, a little bit more disappointing than we thought uh, for men's basketball. The women's basketball team is going to be something that a lot of us are going to be watching uh, more and more as it gets into the season. I, and I recommend it. If you want to go out, uh, they're going to have their senior night very soon. Uh, everyone should go check that out at the Moody Center. It is going to be a lot of fun to pay respect for these women who are, who are keeping the Longhorn name proud right now. Uh, speaking of baseball, though. Texas baseball played over the weekend as well. They have a series versus Cal Poly. They get the job done, especially the pitching. They do not allow a run all weekend long. They win Friday 2-0. They win Saturday 6-0. They win Sunday 7-0. LeBaron Johnson Jr. has a great game on Friday. Eight innings pitch. He only allows two hits. He only allows two walks and has eight strikeouts. We know the the walks were a big issue for Texas last weekend. Uh, A lot of guys getting pulled out because they couldn't get the ball over the plate, couldn't get in the strike zone. Not the same issue this weekend versus Cal Poly. 
Uh, Jared Thomas had a great weekend as well. He gets two hits in the first game. They go to Saturday. He gets two hits and a home run in the Saturday game, and then three hits on Sunday. He has a great weekend. Charlie Hurley pitches on the Saturday game, six innings pitch, uh, only allows four hits and only one walk. Again, one of those pieces that we've been looking at in this co- this this pitching staff early on was locating the ball in the strike zone, getting people to swing at the right p- pitches and not walking too many guys. They got away from that a lot this weekend, especially in the starting pitchers. Sunday, Cody Howard, no walks. Five innings pitched. He allows seven hits, though, uh, but gets three strikeouts and no earned runs, no runs at all over the weekend. Peyton Powell also has a big game on Sunday. Uh, four hits, two home runs in that for Peyton Powell. That opening of the lineup uh, with Jared Thomas and Peyton Powell, that, that the top of the lineup there, is just really good for Texas right now, hitting the ball really well, seeing things really well. So looking forward to more of Texas baseball. They play on Saturday, or I'm sorry, on Tuesday against St. John's, and then this weekend they are playing part of that uh, Houston tournament that we'll get more into as the week goes on. Uh, let's get into the Big Fat Poll of the Day. Take a break. We come back and we start to get into the text line. Let's hit that sounder. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. Big Fat Poll of the Day today. Text line's open, 512-447-3776. We're going to talk some NFL, something I saw a little bit about, kind of just different pieces about it all weekend long. So I want to ask you guys, we'll get into the NFL segment in the 5 o'clock. Where do you think Russell Wilson ends up next season? If you want to tell me how or or how that happens, if he gets cut and signs, if he's traded, if you know wh- who he replaces, all of that. If you want to add to the story, extra credit, but where will Russell Wilson end up next season? We'll talk more about in the five, but throwing that out there is the big fat poll of the day. Love to get your opinions on that because it's an interesting one that was seeing a little bit about Russell Wilson this weekend. And it's a fun, it's a fun time. It's a little, it's a little uh the the people sell people starting to to say some positive things about some people that he's saying negative things about recently. Uh, well, so, well, let me know what you think about that. If you want to keep talking Texas baseball, Texas basketball, Texas women's basketball, well, maybe we should just say Texas basketball and Texas men's basketball. I don't know. I'm getting annoyed with it. I know because I love this basketball team. I have a lot of respect for a lot of guys on the team, uh, a lot of the staff. Uh, so I, I'm just a little frustrated, a little frustrated, hoping, hoping that tomorrow my mood will get peer- cheered up on that one. But uh, we'll talk more about that because I think, oh, man, there's a lot like there's a lot positive that's there, and I don't think it's as far away as some other people think it is. Just there's a few things, a few things. All right, I'll, we'll take a break. We'll, we'll talk about it more with you on the text line five one two four four seven three seven seven six. When we come back here on the sports complex on the Horn one hundred one nine AM twelve sixty the Horn app and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Sports Complex here on the Horn. Text lines open 512-447-3776. You want to talk some some Texas basketball? You want to talk some uh, Texas baseball? You want to talk Big Fat Bowl today? Where's Russell Wilson going to end up next year? Uh, You want to get to, we'll get into some NFL and some NBA in the second segment. You want to talk it? You can send it in. We'll get to whatever we want to get into. Uh, I do want to play a little bit uh, NFL talk from this morning on Hook'em Up with Ian Rob B. Uh, Rob Bay was talking about a little Texans offseason. Getting to that for you and a little uh, Hook'em Up replay here on the Sports Complex. All right, let's get into some, uh, some Texans conversation, actually. Um, we talked about this on the show right after the Super Bowl when the Kansas City Chiefs you know, won back-to-back, and we were discussing the possibility of them three-peating and – what team could threaten the Kansas City Chiefs, right? What team 
could pose a threat, potentially disrupt this dynastic run that they're on. And we threw out a lot of different teams throughout, you know, the the, the Bengals because of Joe Burrow. Hell, you know, Lamar Jackson may take his game to the next level in the postseason. It's possible the Ravens, you know, the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen. I mean, all those teams that have uh, tried and uh, the Bengals did succeed once. But most of the time they fail going up against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Another team that we brought up um, was the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans were in a really good position potentially to, you know, threaten the Kansas City Chiefs just because they have a quarterback on a rookie contract and one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. Uh, head coach that seems like he's the right guy, won a division and went to the playoffs in his first year. That hadn't happened with a rookie quarterback, uh, for with a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback in like 100 years in the NFL. Uh, Nick Casario doing a really good job of being able to build the roster now and hitting on the draft picks he needs to hit on. Uh, Nick Wright agrees. Nick Wright's one of the – does great work for uh, Fox, but uh, I think this clip comes from First Things First. Used to do radio down in H-Town, so he knows Houston really well um, and is a big Kansas City Chiefs fan, has been on that bandwagon for a long time. Here's what Nick Wright had to say on First Things First about the uh, biggest threat potentially to the Kansas City Chiefs dynasty. My cheat answer is there is no threat. But if I have to give an actual team, let's just look to the history. In this five-year run, the one time they didn't win the AFC, the Bengals beat them. But I don't think it's the Bengals. I think it's a team that can follow that blueprint, which is uh, consistency at the coach and coordinator spot, superstar quarterback, has drafted really well, and can overspend in this free agency period because they have the quarterback so cheap, and that's the Houston Texans. Joe Burrow was in year two. They had drafted T. Higgins. They had drafted Jamar, or they were drafting Jamar that next year. They have Tank Dell coming back. Slowick didn't go anywhere. I think D'Amico's excellent. They have their left and right tackle in place. they got to spend money on defense like Cincinnati did, and then maybe they can take a big leap. So my answer would be Houston because – they can do win-now stuff that doesn't hurt them long-term yep. because CJ's so cheap over the next three years. It's the smart no, thing to do, and they already showed their legitimate playoff team. Oh, that's Nick Wright. Like I said, he's a, a, about as big a homer for Kansas City as you can get. He spent time in H-Towns. He did radio down there in Houston at 610, so he knows the Houston market well, follows the Texans still really closely, I'm assuming, because of his time there. And uh, he agrees with something that we brought up on this show, he and I, who are also Texans fans, that the Texans play it right. If they make the right moves in free agency, right now they have about $64 million in cap space. Uh, which would put them seventh in the NFL in cap space. So they can be big spenders in free agency if they wanted to. Nick Casario still got a hit on draft picks, which he's done a really good job of since he's been there with the Texans. But if C.J. Stroud takes a leap next year and D'Amico Ryans proves that also, you know, he's the real deal as a coach, went to the playoffs, won division in his first year. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Texans could be in that realm to be a threat to the Kansas City Chiefs. Am I thinking it's a realistic threat? Not yet. I got to see the draft, and I got to see the free agency period. Right now, it's not. But if they hit on in, they hit in free agency with the right pieces, and they hit on this draft, and they you know get help, what they get the offensive rookie of the year last year, and uh, damn near the defensive rookie of the year. Um, did they win? Do, did Will Anderson win defensive rookie of the year? He, he did. did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so they get, they hit like that again, which I don't expect them to do that. But get two guys that can be starters for you, um, and play and play an impact roles. Then the Texans will end up I, I, in the conversation to threaten the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I mean they were a ten win team this year in the playoffs and won a playoff game. Uh, can you build on that? I mean we know every year is different, and uh, you know teams are going to uh, you know adjust it to CJ Stroud. They're going to watch the film, but I do think. As we said a lot, because, again, I know a lot of people I see the numbers, but, you know, I understand it. A lot of people didn't watch the Texans a lot last year. Uh, yeah. You just saw the highlights. Uh, C.J. Stroud put up the numbers he did without really a running game. I mean, they really couldn't run the football no. for most of the year. Devin Singletary gave them a punch, um, and they weren't great defensively for stretches. Now, 
uh, and that's what you have to address. But so C.J. Stroud did what he did, not being a game manager, right? Um, no, Cowboy fans remember when Dak Prescott won Rookie of the Year and was unbelievable, but that was built around Zeke Elliott, a strong running game, mm-hmm. play action pass, and, and Dak flourished. This, this team was built around C.J. Stroud, the offense was, yes, last year. Was. He yeah. had to carry them, and he still only threw eight interceptions. He still you know, put the numbers up that he did, and that's the, the what if we give him a running game? And that's why you're hearing the name Saquon Barkley. Um, we're hearing it. Uh, and what would you say? Saquon's now following a bunch of Texans on social media? Yeah, the uh, report is that uh, the Texans, some of the Texans players, Nico Collins, Tank Dale, Brevin Jordan, C.J. Stroud, recently have been followed by Saquon Barkley, and they are now following Saquon Barkley. He also followed Devin Singletary, <laughs> uh, the running back. I hey, maybe she's trying to be a good future teammate. Um, and there's also a report, shout out to uh, Aaron, Aaron Wilson, who does a really good job. He does. Uh, been he's been on the show before. Yeah, he, he does a great job. He was on the local news. He was on KPRC. He was on Channel 2 in H-Town. They were just talking about the, the, the combine and just talking about the Texans. And he said, quote, Saquon Barkley, it goes beyond him following guys on social media and hitting like. It's a case of him communicating with top players, including C.J. Stroud, about a desire to play here, here being Houston. It is mutual, says Aaron Wilson, but they are keeping their options open. So he's saying there's a mutual interest between the Texans and maybe the Texans players right now and Saquon Barkley. Well, and they, can afford to, they, they could afford to bring him in. They got the money. They do. They've got the space, and that's what Nick Wright just said, and he's right. I mean, they have the luxury of maybe overspending at running back, maybe spending a little bit more in the free agent market than you would be, you know, normally want to do in a good organization because you don't want to, you know, you you overspend in that market. Uh, yeah. You want to build around draft picks, which which they have now, and that's you know. So Saquon Barkley, you know, twenty six years old or twenty seven. Yes, you may get a couple, mm-hmm. two great years out of him, and it, but it may because you want to take advantage of this window. Yes, exactly. Uh, right. As much as you can, and you know, the examples are there. Patrick Mahomes, they took advantage of it before he had to get his big contract. Russell Wilson in Seattle meant to two Super Bowls exactly in right. his rookie deal. Uh, Joe Burrow was a great example. Went to the Super Bowl. So yes, that's the the window you talk about. That five year window. Houston's has just opened. Can you maximize it? And look, if you're going to go after Saquon Barkley, you can trade Damian Pierce, and Damian Pierce will have some value. Uh, on before the draft, I mean, team like the Cowboys could use Damian Pierce and give you yeah. a draft pick for him because that guy just didn't fit their system. But he's a good running back. You saw him as a rookie; he was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Damian Pierce is someone you know. If you if you had Saquon Barkley and Devin Singletary as your backfield, but they got to resign Singletary. Yeah, I like that. And then you trade Pierce for a piece. Um, you know, let him get to place where he's more comfortable. But you can get something for him, and then you hit on the draft and mostly focus on defense in the draft because I know Texans fans want a wide receiver. If you sign Saquon Barkley, I wouldn't worry as much about the offense. I would worry about the defensive side, especially on the defensive interior, defensive corner opposite Derek Stingley, safety, linebacker. Those positions need upgraded. Um, And then all of a sudden, yeah, you can be in that next couple-year window to chase the Chiefs and and be one of the top teams. Because remember, Josh Allen got a mega deal. Justin Herbert just got a mega deal. Joe Burrow got a mega deal. Uh, Tua. Yes, he's going to need a mega in. deal. Lamar yeah. Jackson has got a mega deal. So those teams aren't nearly as flexible within the cap as mm-hmm. Houston can be in the next two to three years. Yeah, don't forget the Texans. Remember, remember they started out with a lot of injuries on the O-line, too, for oh, C.J. Stroud, and they just could, they finally got healthy toward the end of the year. Uh, so a lot of growth uh, expected for the Texans this offseason. Big offseason for the Houston Texans. Never, I didn't think I'd say that in a long time, but it is a huge offseason. Well, last season was huge, and they hit it, right? Because they, they had the it. first pick, yeah. or they had the second pick, and they made, ended up with the third pick. And, uh, they did. Know, they, 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 it's safe to say they used the Deshaun Watson draft capital they acquired wisely. Now can they do – because they still have a drive, another one of those picks from Deshaun Watson. Yep. they got to use it wisely. And if they can and hit the market a little bit and add an impact player like, like a Barkley, now you're, you're right there with the, – because with, you were a 10-win team a year ago. Now all of a sudden you're talking about maybe 11, 12 wins. But you are going to be playing a first-place schedule, which we've talked about. You've got to play the division winners. Uh, it steps up with your, your strength of schedule. But, you know, that, that's, that's football. Yeah. Yes. No, it's a, it's at what for the Texans. This is a good problem to have. It is. <laughs> you got it a is. first place schedule. And I do agree that Nick with Nick Wright that they can be a team. But will they? We'll see. We'll see. They're the Texans. They'll they probably gotta, screw it up. They, they no. They, they I don't think so. But they gotta if they're gonna contend. If we're talking about threatening the Chiefs, they gotta they gotta nail this off season. They gotta hit oh. home runs in free agency. They gotta hit home runs like they did last season in the draft. If they do that, yeah, then it's a realistic conversation. Right now. You know, it's not – it's a hopeful, optimistic conversation, but I don't know how realistic it is. 
Sure. For uh, All right, so a uh, little breaking news from the NFL, as has been widely expected this morning. It's now official. The Cincinnati Bengals have applied the franchise tag to their wide receiver, T. Higgins. They ain't letting him go. Uh, one-year deal, $21.816 million. Um, he can sign it anytime he wants, but he's not likely to sign it. He's going to uh, try to continue to negotiate. Um, so we'll see. By the way, as a as the franchise player, teams can talk to him and uh, sign him. Yep. They would have to give up two their next two first-round picks. Okay. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to do that for T. Higgins, but we'll see. No, not two first-round picks. Not two first-round picks. Ain't Quarterback but you would do that for. You can tell Cincinnati believes – Going back to my five window, five year window theory, they believe that they're getting deeper into their window. It's almost that's, over. That's why, yeah, they got to like, no, we got to keep these receivers together. Right now, we are indefensible with th- basically two wide receiver ones and our offensive uh, weaponry. We let T. Higgins go. Um, that changes the dynamic completely. So this is their all in year. They're going all in right now. That's, that's kind of one of their definitions of it, keeping T. Higgins around, playing that big price tag. Good stuff there from Hook'em Up with Ian Robbie. Weekday morning, 6 to 11 right here on the Horn. All right. Uh, text line's open, 512-447-3776. Let's hit this break. Uh, we'll come back to uh, the T. Higgins stuff we're going to talk about in the 5 o'clock hour. But I want to get to the text line. I know there's some, uh, some Texas basketball stuff that I want to go at, some things that I agree with, some I don't. And I'll tell you another piece of what I you know what is the issue for me this season uh, but we'll we'll go into that, and then, but keep those texts coming five one two four four seven three seven seven six. We'll come back and we'll get to the text line uh, right after this little break here on the Sports Complex on the Horn one hundred and one AM twelve sixty the Horn app and HornFM dot com. The Sports Complex on the Horn. Back on the Sports Complex here on the Horn. Text line's open. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Let's get over to that text line. I can turn the music off and get all my things working. All right, the computer's working with me now. Uh, Let's get over to that text line. Uh, Jimmy the Gringo says, uh, Happy Monday. Glad you're feeling better. Feeling much better. Got through it by Saturday afternoon. I was feeling much better. I slept for 12 hours Friday night, by the way. I slept for 12 hours, so I think I needed that uh, bounce back, a little recovery there. Uh, but, yes, I appreciate that. You definitely sound better. I totally agree with you about Longhorn basketball, lack of attention to defense, sad day in our Longhorn country. When you look at the box score and Mitchell is your leading scorer, Smith has had a couple of off games. Hopefully he fights, finds his groove soon or decides to start playing defense. DeSue can't do it all alone. And I don't think Max Aceman is ever going to be a great defensive player. He plays better defense when he scores. Like most guys in basketball, the better you're feeling on the court, the better you do everything. You turn the ball over less, everything, and it just it compounds one way or the other. And right now, because he's not shooting the ball well, everything is falling to the wayside because he's so worried about not scoring. And it's just, you know, it, it sucks, but normally you can try to bake out of this a little bit easier. But they're in a very hard part of their schedule, and then add in the fact that he's just he's not going to standard ways to get out of it. He's just trying to shoot his way out of a slump on a team that needs scoring. Uh, it's not going well. Uh, Locksmith Ryan says, I like RT as well, but seems like some of the shine is worn off that head coach hire. We need to hire someone who makes the recruits excited. So off with RT's head at the end of the season. Seems like a culture thing. I, I don't agree with that. Uh, and again, it seems like a culture thing to say that the culture has been destroyed in one season uh, by doing the same things that they were doing last season. I like I get it. I, I don't think I look and I, and I see this. Let me read Dave Rams, too, because because uh, he has similar things. And I, I just want to put what I think the bigger issues are with this program. Uh, And we can say RT needs work to get better. Firing RT means that your program is almost uninhabitable for coaches where already coaches don't want to come here. As much as everybody wants to pretend that Texas has all the money in the world, you're not paying a coach $25 million to come lose at Texas. And that's what you guys keep asking. Like (laughs) they're going to make $12 million at St. John's. They're going to make $12 million at UConn and the middle. Like they can make a good living 
at these other schools and make money on the side and be be the star and get all the endorsements and all that extra money because they're the big deal. Whereas Texas, it's a football school. And so you're not, you know, you're not necessarily going to be in all the commercials and all that stuff. So it, it's, it's a different world. Uh, we, we can't just go out and hire whatever coach we want. So that's not the best. All right. Dave Ram said, though, they're not playing for RT. Don't care what you say. He's not the guy for Texas. That's coaching. RT, RT can tell him, I don't want to see an outside shot from you until you're driving it to the line at least twice. That threat will drive you to open up three-point shots for him. Uh, you cannot say that RT could have taken – only RT could have taken that team to the late eight, eight last season. Any coach could have led that team last season, continue to prove my position for the beginning of the season. First of all, again, that's insane. And I'm not saying only RT could have taken them, but saying any coach is, is crazy. It's just crazy talk. It's just because you don't like RT. It's fine you don't like RT, but you're not giving him a shot at all. You're not looking at it. And, and this is the deal. is If we want to sit down and say that RT is the worst coach, then Chris Beard's awful at Ole Miss because he's doing the same thing. He's getting blown out by good teams. He's not doing – it's not. He's not a bad coach. He's in a situation where he didn't get all the best players this season and without the players you need to run the team, no matter how good a coach you are. St. John's is losing. What did Rick Pitino do? He blamed his players. Like, is that is now Rick Pitino? No, like, I don't want Rick Pitino here. I don't think he's a great coach. I think him and, and Calipari and those guys are decent coaches. I think they also paid players for a long time under the table, and that's how they got the best players. <laughs> I mean, like, it's the same in football. Those guys allegedly paid players under the table, and they got the best players. And then they, they were one and done, and they could coach the best players. Can you coach players below that? We can go get anybody. We can go get Kelvin Sampson. He said he didn't want to come here last year. They gave him a raise in Houston. He stayed in Houston. But look, if you want to look at what the problem with Texas is this season, the Texas went into this season thinking that Ron Holland and A.J. Johnson were going to be the front runners. They were going to try and bring back Dylan Mitchell. Dylan DeSue was coming back. That was going to be your core. You're going to go a little bit younger, but that was what you were going to look at. A.J. Johnson backs out. Two weeks later, Ron Holland backs out. So now you're, you're out. The young team is not going to be there because you still have guys like Chris Johnson. There's some other good players, Devin Pryor. Like, there's good, decent players on this team, but they're young, and you know they need a little bit more time uh, to get where they need to be, whereas a Ron Holland and A.J. Johnson could have played a little bit sooner, right? So you have this f- build for your team. Well, that's out the window. Now you say, okay, well, now we know, need to go get some transfers. And there's two types of transfers. There's transfers who are trying to prove their draft stock, and those transfers aren't coming to Texas. They're going to go to schools that notoriously have a lot of guys drafted, Kentuckys, Kansases, Dukes, North Carolinas. They're going to go to those schools. They're not coming to Texas that doesn't have a lot of players drafted high. Now, we've had the run with Shaka Smart that he was getting all the big men drafted, but you didn't want Shaka Smart either, so we don't have that. So if we say you, we weren't going to get those, he went out and got the, the best transfer in the other group, which is Max Asmus. They went out and got an IT Horton. They went out and got a, a Caden Shedrick, and they got guys that they felt, okay, these guys, we piece them together, and we get the best out of them they can perform, and not realizing that when you put this together, you said, okay, we're going to have to piece it together, but we need Dylan Mitchell and Dylan Asu to become massive rim protectors, and hopefully that'll work, and Caden Shedrick's going to be playing 25 minutes a game for us, and we're going to go big. And you try and do that, and Dylan Mitchell didn't progress in the offseason the way you hoped he had with his shot. You know, you didn't. Caden Shedrick hasn't been able to play long minutes and, and be effectively defensively. Uh, he's just, he doesn't have the leap that he had a little bit even earlier in the season. He was jumping better than he's jumping right now. And then you add in, you get IT Horn and Max Ace misses, and they're both just misses. Now, Kendall Weaver was a great pickup, but Max Ace missing and IT Horton have been misses in what you expected out of them, their best offensively. They haven't been those guys. And Max Ace is really good against when we played the smaller schools that didn't have the defenders, then Max Ace was really good. But it's really the construction of the team. It was put in a place where this team would have to overachieve to get there, and they're not overachieving. And last year, they did overachieve to get to the lead eight. But it's, again, to say that any coach would have put Serge Barry Rice and Dylan Asu in leading roles of offense when the coach that was there before didn't it is, is like, I, I just don't get that. You, that, does, that isn't the case. Not every coach would have done it. Yes, there are other coaches that are good. There's not. And again, that's a terrible take about not getting coached because we're a football school. Can you imagine what getting the right coach in here to win would turn this around? What a program can be. I don't want Breer back, but he has to go in the right direction. Him sucking at Ole Miss is irrelevant. He, and it's not. He's not even sucking. He just doesn't have the players yet. But that, why have we never had a top coach at Texas? It, this, is not a, this is not a new thing that we could pay the best coach. It's not new. Why has it never been there? 
Why is it all of a sudden, now it's 2024, now we can do it? But before, no, no, now we can get him. Why was it last season, when they were before they hired Rodney Terry, that the reports were that no one wanted to come here? Why? Because we're not a basketball school, and they understand that the one-and-done prospects want to be at basketball schools, and the best players, they want to be at basketball schools. Now, you have to find guys, and they found Ron Holland. Ron Holland turned out to be a guy that they thought could progress. That's what you have to find if you're at Texas. It doesn't mean you can't compete. It doesn't mean you can't be there. But this, this thinking that there's one way to get things done in college basketball is backwards thinking that will lead us back to the point where we're going to fire five or six coaches in the next 10 years and be a bad basketball school and the Moody Center will be empty because you're just waiting for somebody to be great instead of waiting one season to see if a guy can turn it around. But you don't want to wait one season. No, we got to win every year. We're going to the SEC. We'll be, we'll be above 500 in the in SEC play next year with this team. We'd be the, what, number three or four team in the SEC with this team. We're in the Big 12. It sucks. They're, it's a really good conference right now. But to throw the you know, baby out with the bathwater because we deserve to be this great team because we hit the Elite Eight last year, it's, just, it's, it's ignoring every bit of history about Texas basketball. Every bit of it. Ignoring all of it and ignoring the rest of the college basketball landscape to say, well, that guy can't get us back to the Elite Eight. He didn't do it last year, but he's supposed to do it this year. Which is crazy. Just crazy thinking. You have to be able to think, we can go forward, we can progress. He still has like the number two recruit in the country coming to Texas next year. He, and if he backs out, sure, we can talk about it. But he still has the number two recruit coming to Texas next season. But that's it. We're bad anyway, so what does it matter? Because we don't want to be bad and we can't be good. But to say we were an Elite Eight last year and we can be a good team again in the future, but we have one season where we're still projected to be in the tournament. We're not even projected to be out of the tournament right now. And y'all are acting like this is a the worst team that's been in Texas for the last – this is not the worst team that's been in Texas in the last five seasons. And we're still pretending that it's worth. It's ignoring all of history because people didn't like Rodney Terry being hired because they thought, man – we go get the best guy in the business, and we couldn't. We couldn't even get Kelvin Sampson to come from Houston. He didn't want to come. And I think he would have been a great coach at Texas. I mean, he would have been good. There would have been issues because he wouldn't go over as well with the, 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 bon- uh, the donors and, and that. But, you know, he would have been a good coach. I, did, I, I get You just have to curb expectations. I hope Texas on Tuesday, I know that we went hard on this one in this segment. We'll go, we'll go in a little nicer next segment. But, I, I look – I, I'm not saying I, I'll give RT flack, but if you're in the let's fire our coach every single year bandwagon, then you are not looking at the way the sports world works. Because firing your coach every year, you can't say it's a culture problem and we should fire our coach every season. Every year, every time we don't have the best season, we should fire our coach. It's a culture problem. You're part of the culture problem because you're the person who doesn't. I'm going to take a break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll get into some uh, NFL talk. We'll get into some NBA talk, and we'll keep going back to that text line. I'm trying not to get heated on a Monday, but it's happening. We'll come back here on the uh, Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com.